0: One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.
1: All right, Sixers fans, welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jaz Kang. Before we jump into things, as always, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we are there. Always appreciate a five star review as well. And don't forget to check us out at libertyballers.com. The man that is behind the magic at liberty ballers joining me mr paul hudrick paul first off lots to discuss in Sixerland. land summer league now officially over gonna get your thoughts on is there any potential for any of those guys to actually crack the rotation next season also wanted to jump into some james harden talk he did an interview with chris haynes of yahoo sports um just kind of discussing his contract stuff also looking at his expectations for next season and an nba veteran could he potentially be a fit with the Sixers? We'll jump into all that uh, coming up on this episode. So, Paul, before we do that, first off, how are things going for you and how have, I would say, what, maybe the first real week of the offseason? How's that been going for you?
0: Well, not yet, because we still had Summer League and <laughs>
1: you love Summer <laughs> I- League. I know how big of a Summer well, League fan you are. Too. Listen,
0: I like Summer League um, for like a few games and then it gets especially like Respectfully, like I, I like these guys are all working really hard and they're all trying to make NBA teams and I, and I get that, but like it's not it, it's you, you don't have a a Paolo Pancuro on your team right or or, or yeah. Chet Holmgren on your team where it's you know what I mean or a Keegan Murray where it's there's a guy that's just really excited like we're respectfully to even the guys who are who are good players on the Sixers and their summer league team like it's just you don't have that marquee game it's not like when we were watching Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz in summer league back in the day it's just not that excitement level so yeah i watched it i was excited by like maybe a few games and by the end i was definitely experiencing some some serious summer league fatigue so i'm very much looking forward to this week with (laughs) with no summer league and and really no free agency or trade
1: stuff hanging over us at the moment well it's kind of funny right paul because the first like few days of summer league, you know, as it starts and you get into the weekend and everybody kind of converges into Vegas and everybody's there, then it's like all hype. You know what I mean? And we're like, we're going to see Paula Bancaro play. You're going to see Chet play. going to see Jabari Smith, like all these guys playing. And then by the time you get into the second week, like nobody cares anymore. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's, it's just funny. It's funny to see how big the first weekend is. And then the drop-off going into week two. Now you wrote an article at Liberty Ballers uh, talking about nine summer Sixers, their outlooks for next season, Obviously, Paul Reed was a guy who got a little bit of minutes there. Seems to be firmly entrenched in the rotation at this point. Although, as we know with Doc, who knows if that's going to happen Um, at some point. Isaiah Joe obviously got hurt. He also looked looked pretty good as well. Is there out of those two guys, like I know Reed um, seems to be the favorite, obviously, that he's going to get some time just given the fact that. He had Doc's trust in the postseason. But, Paul, like, what do you think about Isaiah Joe right now at this point? Like, given the fact the Sixers have now acquired P.J. Tucker, obviously not the same position, but uh, they got De'Anthony Melton. All right. They got Daniel House. Do you think Isaiah Joe is going to have any shot whatsoever to get some regular minutes next season? Or are we going to be expecting the same thing that we saw this past year?
0: He'll have a shot. It's. It's not going to be easy. Like you said, they're so they're so much deeper now, especially at the wing, you know, they had no wing depth before. Now all of a sudden they do. I mean, their top 9 are pretty much locked in, right? You look at their their five starters, then it's Melton and House are your first two off the bench. Then you have the backup center, which I have to imagine at this point is going to be Paul Reed like you already talked about. Though I could see me I mean, I don't know, Doc has been a little hesitant to go with small ball stuff, but PJ Tucker historically has been Pretty good in, in small ball lineups as a five, and it's worked out pretty well for his teams. Just making these super switchable lineups with him at that role. So we'll see what that looks like. And then you figure Niang is the ninth guy. So because as, as much as Niang did struggle in the playoffs, he was really good in the regular season last year. Yeah. He was their sixth man. He was very good in that role. So it's like the tenth guy is where the battle is because they're not. He's not. Doc's not going to play eleven. I wouldn't think. I mean, I, I, like Tyrese Maxey's rookie year, he was kind of the eleventh guy. That's because Maxie was so good. He kind of forced Doc's hand. That's not going to be the case this year. Like they're probably going to play 10 guys and it's going to be between Matisse, Stiebel, Furkan, Korkmaz, shake Milton. And then probably Isaiah Joe is, is probably going to be the other guy in that mix. Uh, for me, I, I, I would think Stiebel gets the first crack just because um, he is so special on the defensive end of the floor. And he's so different. Then again, Anthony Melton is a guy who is pretty similar, uh, gets a lot of deflections, makes a lot happen in transition, but he has a lot more on the offensive end of the floor. So you wonder if Th- if, if Melton kind of steals some of Thibel's minutes. You look at Moss who is the opposite of, of, of Theibel and that he is a very offensive-oriented player and, and, frankly, shot the ball very poorly last year. So he was not a guy I thought Doc's leash for Kirk- Moss was way too long last year. I thought he let him play way too much and kept giving him minutes despite the fact that he struggled. I would have liked to see Joe get some of those minutes. Shake Milton, Milton's an interesting guy to me still. I mean he he's six six. He's got long arms. He can handle the ball a little bit. I, I don't know what's going on with his shot the last two years, but he came into the NBA as a you know a, a you know in college a really good shooter at SMU, shot the ball really well as a rookie in the NBA, and then just has really struggled the last couple of seasons to get his shot going. So if he can get that, if he can regain his form you know, beyond the arc. Um, he's a decent enough defender and again can handle the ball in an off-ball role. I think could maybe be a guy that's um pretty intriguing as a tenth tenth guy. But I think Joe, out of those four names, Joe to me is like the most he has like the best three and D archetype, right? Like he mm-hmm. moves his feet really well defensively. He's at you can tell he's gotten a little bit stronger. You saw a little bit of that in the summer league. It, it, it's just a summer league. I know that, and it'll have to show up against MB, you know, more seasoned nba players but i I was encouraged by that i thought ball handling is something they've harped on him with and i thought he was pretty good in the summer league i think it was like two and a half assists per game um he led you know he led the break very often he shot well over 50 percent from three he was preposterous um from three point range and that shot it's it's crisp it's beautiful it's an nba shot so if he can hit shots at a consistent level i think his defense is good enough where i think he would be a really good fit especially if the lineups are going to be if you're going to have James Harden and Tyrese Maxey kind of leading the charge and like kind of running the show and you have Joel Embiid, obviously at the five, uh, you know, Tobias Harris is going to need touches. Um, You know, a a guy like Joe, who is, is, is more than happy just firing away from three and taking those open looks and then playing defense on the other end. He seems to be a guy that would fit very well. So I would say, you know, I think he, and this is his third year now too, because I know Doc Rivers has that propensity to not, want to play younger guys, but this is Joe's third year and it's his third year with doc. So you hope that maybe there's been some trust earned and maybe he can see the floor a little bit more. So uh, I would like to see him get a, get a shot and I think he could get one.
1: Yeah. And that, I think that's going to be the interesting part about training camp, seeing what happens during the preseason is who is doc going to go with right, Paul, because it's like you, like you mentioned, George Nyang was the de facto six man last season, although I think we both agree that he's probably better suited to be eighth, you know, seventh or eighth or something like that. Like in terms of um, just sheer talent level, what you want coming off the bench. But you mentioned guys like Joe, right. You, you, you look at them and like, I think that's going to be interesting because injuries are going to happen. Right. Things are, we saw what happened when Joel got COVID ended up having the back, like the Sixers were playing. A, they were like a band-aid squad at that point. So some of these guys are going to get a chance to get some run. Um, When you look at, Another guy that I wanted to touch on with you, because I've always been intrigued by him just by his athleticism and his size, and again, you wrote about him at libertyballers.com, Paul, is Charles Bassey, right? Looking at at, at what he brings to the table, obviously he's a second-round pick. He did get some playing time this season, although majority of it was in the G League. Um, When you look at him, and you, you mentioned this too, that he's still struggling with some fouls. We saw Paul Reed still dealing with that issue in terms of playing defense with his hands instead of his feet. But how far off do you think Bassi is to being at least an NBA rotation guy? And do you see that in his future at all?
0: I was kind of underwhelmed by his uh, summer league performance. I have to be honest. And, I, and I'm a big Bassi guy. I like to pick when they made it. I thought last year when he got the opportunity to play with the big club, I thought he showed really good flashes. I, I, I was one of the people who thought he really sh- he earned an opportunity to at least get a look uh, at the end of the season, for some backup five minutes, one that he did not get, and he dominated in the G League. He was he was sensational. Um, before he got, yeah, I think I believe it was a left shoulder injury he had towards the end of the year, but he was uh, unbelievable in, in the G League to close out the season. So, um, so I was expecting a little bit more out of him if I could be, if I'm being honest, or in the summer league. But that said, you do wonder, you know, it's level of competition, it's players you're playing with, that stuff all matters to me. It it, it makes a difference. So. I would like to see, you know, what does he look like playing with James Harden, you know, as a, as a rim running big who can just pick, you know, pick and roll with James Harden and then block shots in the other end. What can that look like? What can he look like playing with Tyrese Maxey? Um, you know, those are the things I, I would be interested in. It's tough when, like, respectfully, the Sixers were playing. They The only true point guard they had on their summer league roster was Cassius Winston. And Cassius Winston is just not an NBA point guard. He's just, there's a reason why. He, you know, he's 24 years old and, and playing summer league and in the position he's in, he's just not, he doesn't have that burst. He doesn't really, you know, he, he's, he's fine. He's, he's a fine player. I don't want to, I'm not trying to bash the guy, but he's not Tyrese Maxey. He's not James Harden. So I would like to see Bassy in, op, in situations where he's playing with guys like that. I'm sure that'll happen during camp quite a bit. And I'm sure we'll see some of it in the preseason. So, um, like I said, underwhelmed by the summer league, but I, I think I, I still love his potential. I still I still think, He's got a chance to be a really good backup big in this league, and he's he's way more skilled than maybe some people give him credit for. He can step out and pop and hit some threes, which he did in the summer league. He's got really good touch around the rim. He still blocks shots at a really high rate, good rebounder. So, yeah, I, I, I don't want to judge him too harshly on the summer league. I, I really want to see what he looks like in camping in the preseason.
1: Yeah. And and I'm with you too. I think that he needs to kind of refine his game might take him another year or two, but I just like it. Like his, his body, his style. I think he, he has the opportunity to be a pretty good rim protector, you know, whether that's as a fringe starter or somebody at the, you know, like just a rotation guy, eighth or ninth off the bench. I just think he's a guy. Um, that has the potential to get there. I want to shift focus to a guy who we know will be on the team next season, and that is James Harden. Uh, He had an interesting interview with Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports. You can check out that article online as well, Uh, basically talking about why he wanted to take the pay cut. And I'm I'm quoting here, I had conversations with Daryl. It was explained how we could get better and what the market value was for certain players. I told Daryl to improve the roster, sign who we needed to sign, and give me whatever is left over. And he talks about how bad he wants to win. He wants to... Take you know, take a run at a championship with the squad that he's in, and obviously at this point of his career, when you got a chance to read that and and you look at this, do you think the Sixers still might have room? Like, will Daryl Murray look at him like, okay, let's maybe show you know, even though we've heard from Shams and the other insiders that. He's looking at roughly a fifteen million dollar pay cut, which would bring him around thirty two point five million for next season. But if you look at maybe he takes a million and a half or a million less, like do you think that he still might be willing to do that if the Sixers want to go after someone else?
0: Possibly, it depends on what's out there. And I, I it seems to me, and I don't, I don't have any in, internal knowledge of this. I'm, I'm not sure that this is the case, but it, it, this is what it feels like. There are a lot of unsettled situations happening in the NBA right now uh, when you look at what's going on with Brooklyn with KD and Kyrie and, and you know who gets moved there the Lakers and their situation with Russell Westbrook which is a mess and who knows what's going to happen there and then of course with Utah we already saw Rudy Gobert is no longer there it seems like they are going to entertain Donovan Mitchell um, offers and the New York Knicks being a team that can offer them an awful lot as far as draft pick comp- compensation and Mitchell being an excellent fit in New York he's a New York guy I'm, I'm sure he would love to play for the Knicks uh, so if something like that does occur, and we've written about it at the site and O'Brien to wrote a really interesting article kind of out, outlining. Well, if a Mitchell trade does go down, that would seem to indicate that the jazz are open for business and that they are looking to move off um, players that maybe are more win now players uh, for lack of a better term and looking for future assets. So if that happens and you're the Sixers, you know, Bojan Bogdanovic is probably out of your range. He makes $19 million and, I don't really know how that can fit, how you can make that work. You'd have to send out an awful lot of salary. And even if you sign guys, to minimum contracts, it still counts against your tax apron. And that's a whole long convoluted thing that Brian did a really good job of explaining in his article um, a lot more eloquently than I can on here. And then, you know, but then you're left with two guys that I think could really help them in Jordan Clarkson and Patrick Beverly, Patrick Beverly clearly has a history with Dar Mori has a history with James Harden has a history with doc rivers and it's all very positive. So um, even with the Anthony Melton here, I think he can make a lot of sense. I think Jordan Clarkson probably makes even more sense. Um, I, I thought mm. I think either guy would be a good addition. But, you know, I had Noah Levick from NBC Sports Philly on the uh, on the podcast last week. And, you know, he really sold me on the idea that Clarkson just, you know, he could really fit what they need. I mean, they have Harden, they have Maxi as kind of their ball handlers and their creators. But to have another guy like Clarkson that can just come off the bench and just create and wreak havoc for, you know, whatever, 20 minutes a night and, and score buckets and, you know, occasionally get hot and carry your offense. It, it could change the entire dynamic of your bench. So uh, I, I would take either, either guy would be great. It would lengthen your depth. It would make you a better basketball team, but I kind of lean towards Clarkson maybe fitting more, but to kind of answer your question in, in a, in a long winded way, it's yeah. I, I do think part of the reason that this has not become official yet is that They're waiting to see what else can happen. And of course, like James Harden, you've waited this long. Like you might as well wait a little bit longer. And if they can do something else to improve the team even more, uh, why not take a little bit more time? You you already know what the deal looks like. You already know what the money's going to look like. And yeah, you're taking a pay cut. You know, it's going to be a one plus one, which, you know, that's sort of him betting on on himself in a way to me to maybe get a bigger pay down down the road. But if you're already willing to do all this, to let Daryl Morey build the best team possible, Might as well,
1: you know, wait it out for a little bit longer and give him an even more flexibility to do so. Yeah, I'm with you. And you look at Clarkson, right? A couple of seasons ago, won the sixth man of the year with Utah, still a very, very effective player. Kind of grew his game a little bit more uh, once he he got out of uh, L.A. And, and and playing with the Lakers, but you look at him last season, averaged 16 points, uh, struggled a bit from the three point line, 31 uh, percent, his lowest total since the basically his rookie season. Uh, but you look at a guy like that who gives you that instant offense, right, Paul? Like even though they have Melton, even though they have Daniel House, even though they have PJ Tucker, these guys are very good in terms of two way players. None of those three though are those guys that can go off for for 30. You know what I mean? Like and and I think Clarkson has that potential where maybe you got Harden or Maxi off the bench as a, as a creator. And then you kind of, him, him kind of have him coming off the bench part of me, but you look at his deal. He's at 14.2 million for next season. Like, would you even consider that Paul? Like, do you think that would kill their depth if they have to go, let's say with a, a package of something like Furkan Korkmaz, um, Matisse Thybul, that's about nine and a half million dollars right there. You might have to throw in George Niang, like somewhere around that. Like, would you be willing to go for like a three for one type deal there, Um, even though it might hurt your depth overall on the bench, but you're bringing in a, a higher end guy with Clarkson.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I think that's why you do it, right? And then at that point, you probably just guaranteed Trevellan Queen's contract for the year. Yeah. Um. So that would get you up. You know, that that would be one of the roster spots. And then you have one more opportunity to sign a minimum guy at that point, which again, uh, as Brian so astutely pointed out those minimum signings, even though they are the minimum, they still affect your tax. They still affect you against the tax apron. So, um, that's another reason if that trade, if that scenario you're talking about plays out where they do a three for one for Clarkson, and you have to sign a guy to the minimum, that's still going to affect you on the apron. So that still might affect how much money James Harden can sign and give them flexibility. So it's all a factor. There's just so many moving parts. The NBA CBA is so complicated and there's so much minutia in there, but yeah, I mean, I'd absolutely do it if, you know, cause that's what you're right. It would be five work And then one other contract where you'd have to move out. And to me, yes, it's worth it to have a guy like Clarkson to now have where you're rolling. Basically you, you feel really, really, really good about your top 10 guys. I mean, that's, that's a lot more than what you could say in, in seasons past. And certainly more than a lot of other teams. And you look at, and this is something we talked about a bunch. When you looked at, at the depth of the other teams, whether it was, you know, the Sixers losing to Miami, whether it was Boston and the Warriors playing in the finals, all these teams, yes, they had superstars. Yes, they had great players, but they all had a lot of depth and a lot of players. They felt comfortable throwing in um, postseason environments. And so the more players like that, you can add um, a, a proven commodity in a Clarkson, whereas you have a Thibel and a Quirkmaas who quite frankly just are not that, um, you have an opportunity to get a Clarkson. Like you said, a former six man of the year, instant offense can go off on any given night. If there's a chance to get a guy like that and it makes sense cap wise, and it's not going to kill you. Um, and, and you know, you still have that flexibility with Harden not signing. I think that's, that's like, it's borderline a no brainer.
1: Yeah. And, and to be clear, Paul, let, like, let's be real. Danny Ainge is not just going to take, like he's going to want a future first round pick or oh, other sure, assets. Yeah.
0: You might have to throw in Jaden Springer, who I know not everybody loves, but the reality is Jaden Springer, Is still 19 years old and has an awful lot of upside. So um, yeah, I I mean, you have to factor all that in when you're, um, when you're looking at, at at the the team as a whole, like it's Danny, like you said, Danny age is not just going to give you Jordan Clarkson. You have to give him something for Jordan Clarkson Um, and Feibel and and Quirk ain't going to get it done. You need to give him an asset that he's going to want.
1: Yeah. And, and, and again, that looking at if, and that's a a big, if at this point still is if, the Jazz do elect to move Donovan Mitchell. We know it's going to be for a boatload of first-round picks, and I think that's what Danny Ainge is trying to do there. Uh, Paul, I wanted to jump into one more thing Sixers-related. I uh, had some news come out in terms of a potential signing with a veteran who's been around a very long time, also a Philly guy, and then just want to talk some gen- general NBA things as well. Russell Westbrook reports now that maybe the Knicks might be interested to trade for him, which seems crazy to me, but we'll jump into that after a short break.
0: A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
1: All right, we are back. Uh, Paul, we're talking a little bit about the Sixers and adding some depth. Uh, One guy who might be a fit with the team in terms of coming in on a veterans minimum. Again, I think it would depend on what he's willing to sign for is Markeith Morris, right? You look, you look at him. He's a Philly guy. uh want to stay title when he was playing that back in high school ball. Uh didn't play a whole lot of games last year with the heat only, only appeared in 17, but uh, average seven and a half points still shoots the three point there at a eh, league average around 33%, just a little bit below there. But um, looking at him as a potential fit and it's interesting because i said i would like it but harrison grimm who also writes for us at liberty ballers pointed out okay if you bring him in is doc going to give him more of a chance i'm talking about morris over a guy like paul reed so if you look at trying to bring in a bunch of veterans rounding you know because if you look at what the celtics have done this offseason a team that lost in six games in the in the nba finals they also added now Danilo Danil gallinari a proven NBA guy definitely can give you instant offense off the bench. And then you also added Malcolm Brogdon, a, a point guard that they needed a guy who's also going to elevate the, C- the Celtics floor. So when you look at that, like, is that something that might intrigue you is trying to add these type of older veterans. And again, we were talking about that Clarkson trade before the break. Maybe if you do get rid of some of the depth by making a move like that, you could bring in a guy like Markeith Morris to fill in on the back end.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that, that would make sense. Is, is that kind of, guy, if, if you did wind up freeing up that spot, because right now, obviously, you don't have that spot Uh there. You don't have the roster spots to make that happen on a Markeith Morris signing. So to just say like the Sixers have explored it, right? like I, I, I don't I don't know how they could have because they don't have the spot to do it. Now, if that tr- if a trade like that were to happen and a roster spot were to free up, Sure. I mean, Morris could make some sense to a, to, to a degree, you know, he does bring, like you said, that toughness and he, he has, you know, for the most part shot the three ball pretty darn well, local guy, um, you know, they talked about one to get tougher, one to get more physical and clearly you're ticking those boxes in a big way with a Markeith Morris, but at the same time, I just, I I feel like they could probably do better um, with that one minimum spot. If that, if that, if a trade like that were to go down and they'd have that open, um, you know, someone like Ben McLemore, I think would even be a better fit. I know uh-huh. that's like going to get some groans from some people, but, and oh, rocket, you're still trying to build the, the rockets team, but whatever, um, McLemore, he shoots a lot of threes. He makes a lot of threes. He's okay on defense. He's okay off the dribble. If he's like, your, I don't know, 12th man, that's not terrible. Like, uh, uh it's a guy, again, I got another, you know, we talked about Tucker and house and then playing their best basketball with James Harden. Same goes for back more. played his best basketball with the Rockets with James Harden. And it's another guy to make him comfortable and, and have that familiarity and Macklemore had a decent season last year on a, on a pretty bad team. Um, So, I mean, that, that would be where I would lean more um, to, to assigning like that and, and taking a shot on a guy like that. But I get the appeal of Morris as a veteran and I get him as a tough guy. And, and, you know, um, kind of filling that Mike Scott void. Um, but then again, I, I feel like you've probably already addressed that with PJ Tucker, um, even with a guy like house who, who's, you know, not, you know, not, not afraid to be physical and not afraid to uh, um, you know, is, is a tough, you know, known as a tough minded, tough nosed player. I think they have enough of that now that they don't really need another guy like Morris, but um, I can understand the appeal if it does happen, but uh, like you already said, like there's a lot needs to happen before that's even a discussion to be had.
1: Oh, yeah. And, and again, like you're looking at at where the Sixers are at and you were mentioning we're talking about guys like Isaiah Joe at the top of the podcast and and looking at he, at, at the end of the bench. And again, there has to be some movement, I think, for Daryl Morey and the Sixers to even consider that. Uh, moving on from some Sixers talk, let's get into the wild, wild league that the NBA is. We're, we're still in the middle of July here and things are still going strong in terms of the rumor mill. Uh, First off, Jake Fisher at Bleacher Report. He's been on the pod a couple of times. He basically said from his conversations with people around the league, Kyrie looking like he's going to be back in Brooklyn next season. Um, Also hearing now that Russell Westbrook, and then this is uh, according to some league sources that we heard from through Mark Stein of the New York Times. He also has a sub stack as well. Uh, and I'm quoting here. He said, one league source advised me in Las Vegas. That's obviously during summer league to keep an eye on the Knicks and Lakers discussing a potential Westbrook deal. If Leon Rose can successfully bring Donovan Mitchell to Madison square garden. So if you look at whatever the hell this all means that Russell Westbrook, Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brunson, a uh, weird, weird combo, probably the worst defensive backcourt in terms of one through three, if that's how they would elect to go. Um, Do you think that would have any legs and how do you think that would impact the Sixers? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how that would all kind of look.
0: I mean, clearly the Knicks getting like Donovan Mitchell would be huge it, it, and it would, it would help them, you know, pair them with Jalen Brunson. And obviously, um, you know, the Westbrook stuff is, is, is wild. Um, uh, (laughs) I assume that's just (laughs) to simply give them flexibility going forward. Westbrook in the last year of his deal. Um, and then, you know, you go like this, I, I, you know, not necessarily tank this year, but you go into this year knowing you maybe won't be as competitive. Um, and then the next year you lose, you know, that 40, whatever astronomical number it is for Westbrook, $46 million money, um, you lose that off your books. And then the following year, you can really go after somebody, um, you know, already with Mitchell, already with Brunson, you know, Mitchell Robinson is your five. Um, you can maybe look for a, a good defensive wing or, you know, a good wing player. Um, I don't know the, the 2023 market off the top of my head, but I'm sure there is a guy there that they could target and, 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 you know, use Westbrook's money to, to, to make that work. I mean, it affects the Sixers in that the Knicks are quite frankly, you know, they're a pretty irrelevant franchise. I mean, just flat out, they have been for a very long time. They had one good year in Thibodeau's first year. Randall had a career year. I don't think, unfortunately, I think for him that's was more of an, an aberration. I don't think he's capable of, of of recreating that year of doing that again. So, um, yeah, I, I, I for the I, I think for the Sixers, if you're you know looking at a team with Brunson and Mitchell as the backcourt, suddenly that's that's a better basketball team. So of course that matters. I don't think it affects the Sixers. This year, I still think the Knicks, even with that, would be—I don't know—like a, 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 probably a playoff team in the East, but not a, a super dangerous one. Not at least the way I see it. Not this year, but maybe going forward. You know, maybe Donovan Mitchell can recruit some guys, and you know, New York could kind of be the the you know return to that that mystique of oh, the Knicks and Madison Square Garden all that because that mystique has not worked in a very long time on no, any no. free it's Been like
1: twenty years, yeah. Let's be right, yeah, right <laughs> So. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, maybe Mitchell can kind of revive that a little bit. Um, maybe that, maybe that's the way that looks, but yeah, I I would say this year it doesn't affect the Sixers too much, but yeah, going forward, Donovan Mitchell still a young guy. Jalen Brunson still a young guy. If they could get kind of a third guy in there, that's, that is kind of fits that star status. Um, and it, and the other thing is too, if, if with all this, they're able to hold on to RJ Barrett, who I think showed flashes this year that he could still be a pretty darn good player. And, um, I'm pretty intrigued with his future too. So, yeah I, I would say not this year but going forward the Knicks if they were to land Mitchell and have that flexibility going forward it it
1: they become a pretty interesting team um, maybe in you know 2023 20, 24 and beyond. Yeah you, you mentioned RJ Barrett just 22 years old averaged 20 points a game last season as well and looks to be ascending so I, but I also think if if uh, Donovan Mitchell ends up in New York, he's going to be a part of the return for, for Utah. You know what I mean? Cause it kind of fits the timeline that they can go through two, three seasons of rebuilding and hopefully add some talent there. Uh, Paul I want to wrap up on this, looking around the NBA, it's, it's fun. You know what I mean? I mean, in terms of what it was like those 2016 to 19 years where it was like, okay, well we know golden state's going to get to the finals. And then obviously LeBron, when he was on Cleveland, it was a foregone conclusion. I felt like we were going to see those teams, but looking around the league now, right. And, and you've read this too, that, Many teams believe that if you look at the top of the championship pecking order, a lot of these squads feel like they're going to have a chance. And we've talked a lot, obviously, about the Sixers because that's a team that we cover. But you look at them, you have the Bucks, you have the Celtics. Miami should be very good again next season. The Raptors, another another team that, that should improve a little bit. Scotty Barnes will likely make a leap in year two. And then you look at the and and again, this is assuming that if KD and and Kyrie Irving end up staying in Brooklyn, obviously the Nets just having those two guys on the roster on a sheer talent level are going to be amongst the favorites. And then you look at the West, you got Phoenix, an ascending Grizzly squad, super exciting with John Morant. Obviously, the defending champion Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and then they got Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga. James Wiseman, you know, potentially as, as guys, the next wave. And then the Mavericks with Luka Doncic, although they lost Brunson going to, t- going to take a step as well. Denver is going to have Michael Porter jr. Jamal Murray back alongside Nikola Jokic next year. Maybe the Timberwolves now with Rudy Gobert. Like when you look at this, not only as a guy who covers the league, but even as a fan, like how wide open do you think the championship run is next season? And I not even mentioned the Phoenix suns who had the best record in the league last year.
0: Yeah. And I think, this is something the the NBA hasn't had in a while. All this parity, um, and it's a. I personally, I think it's a good thing, and you know, and we, we spend so much time worrying about teams that tank and and you know, all, and and kind of shaming them um, for doing it. But you know, I think as time goes on, we're going to see some competitive balance really restore. I mean, we're already starting to see it, like you already kind of alluded to, but we're going to see it even more. Um. Look at Oklahoma City. Uh, right now they just signed Kendrick Williams to an extension. They also signed Lou Dort to an extension on this. Pro- like, this they're turning the corner. Like they're not. It, it seems pretty yeah. obvious. They're not trying to lose anymore. They're trying to win basketball games. They're still very young. You know, they still they just drafted Chet Holmgren. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander still on the young side. Uh, you know, Josh Giddy is still super young. They have a lot of young players, but. This looks like a team that's not purposely trying to lose anymore. Um, and so as the years go on, they're probably going to be more competitive. They're probably, with all those first-round picks and all the young guys they're armed with, they're probably going to be in play for a superstar at some point along the line to maybe play with Shea Gildas Alexander. So, um, yeah, there is a lot of excitement around mm-hmm. that. You look at a team like Orlando even, you know, with Ben Carroll, with uh, Franz Wagner, whom I'm, I'm a huge fan of, Jalen Suggs, whom I'm also a huge fan of. These other teams are starting to like, look like, okay, they might actually have NBA basketball players that might be able to compete. Um, and, and like even like a team like Detroit now with Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivy, like, um, there, there's, yeah. there are legitimate players now like kind of across the league. It, it's starting to get to, and as some of these other guys are starting to get older, um, whether it is a James Harden being 33, you know, Chris Paul and LeBron aren't getting any younger. Um, uh, you know, uh, as that happens, these younger guys are kind of going to be filling these voids, and and so I personally, as just a fan of basketball and a fan of the NBA, I love it. I, I love seeing that the league looks a little bit more wide open. Like, of course the Warriors look like they have a great shot to win again. They're built so well. They have a lot of really good young players that are waiting in the wings for when um, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond are kind of ready to move on, but when I, I don't, but I don't think it's like a lock, right? Like I don't, there were years where we were just like, okay, it's going to be golden state, Miami in the finals. You know what I mean? Like we just knew that was going to happen. And it, yeah. it was, it made the whole regular season. Like, all right, well, this is kind of lame, but um, I don't feel that way at all. Like could golden state do it again? Absolutely. But you mentioned the Phoenix suns are really, really good. They're going to be right there. Um uh, uh, the, the Memphis Grizzlies, are, they're coming. They're really young and yeah. they're already really good. The Dallas Mavericks with Luca, they added Christian wood. That's a pretty interesting team too. So that made it to the Western Conference Finals and has a guy that you could argue is the best player in the NBA in Luka Doncic. So, uh, and then you look at the East, the East, I think the top four teams, I could see any of those four teams coming out, whether it's Boston, Milwaukee, uh, Miami, or the Sixers. I, I think any of those teams have a shot. And then the Nets, if they, if they don't blow it up and they keep KD and Kyrie, they're a dangerous basketball team. Um, the, you know, there's no restrictions on Kyrie from now on. Um, well, for now. Um, and you know, and KD is going to come back, and you, you hope he's healthy. But he's still KD. So, yeah, I, I love the parody. I think it's great for the game, um, and, and I think the quality of basketball, despite everyone belly aching about tanking and load management, I, I think there's like the basketball is getting better, and I think it's going to continue to get better.
1: Yeah, and I'm looking forward to that too. And then the one squad that you mentioned, like with OKC, Paul, I, I love Chet Holmgren's game. I think he's going to be the best rookie out of this class. Although obviously he's I think fun. yeah, I think Carroll is going to be very good as well. But I just I think Chet's game as he rounds out a little bit, who knows if he's going to put on maybe some weight and to get stronger. But I, I really like what, what he's going to bring. And and like you mentioned, like there's so much to look forward to next season. And and we're hoping the Sixers are right at the top of that heap. And we, I think we both believe given the additions that they have, there's no reason why this team is not a contender to be at least a finalist and potentially a championship one. So all that's going to play out. And I still think this James Harden thing, Paul, as much as people have talked about, you know, what the contract's going to be. And once they finalize it, I think we know it's going to roughly, let's be honest, be around that 32 million. But again, maybe there's somebody out there that Daryl has his eye on. We talked about Jordan Clarkson. Potentially it's, it's another free agent or somebody else that can, they can gain some more wiggle room. So I still think over the next couple of weeks, we're still going to see some movement um, on the Sixers front. Paul, let's wrap things up there. I want to thank you for joining me as always and, and talking Sixers and talking NBA as well. It's the dog days. We're getting into the dog days of the offseason eventually <laughs> here. Um, but uh, it, it's always been fun uh, working with you and looking forward to continuing uh, doing what we do at Liberty Ballers.
0: Absolutely, man. And uh, it's, you know, this, like you said, it's the dog days right now, but it's going to pick up before we know it. And we're going to be talking training camp and and media day and all that fun stuff
1: really before we even know it. Yeah. And we're looking forward to that as well. That'll do it for this episode of Sixers Daily. Before we wrap things up, as I mentioned off the top, don't forget, give us a subscription, uh, wherever you get your podcast fix, whether that's Apple podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we are there. And of course, check out Paul. we got Jackson Frank uh brian toporek who does a great job with us in the salary cap stuff and a t- ton of other talented writers as well getting you covered at libertyballers.com uh like i said let's wrap things up here and we'll catch up with you all again next time